0: We invite you, Holy Spirit, to enter that dark room where many of us have kept buried anger, where many of us have that resentment. We invite you, Holy Spirit, and ask you into this room, we open the door. We invite you to give us the grace to teach us, to show us the way to release this anger and resentment so that we can be set free, free to know love and to become love. Amen. Amen. Lisa, is that door closed? See. Okay, that's fine. As you see, this reflection is resentment and anger, a topic that's been very much in my heart for the past few months, a topic that I've lived deeply in the past few months, digging in the Holy Spirit, revealing to me some anger and deep resentment I've had stored in my heart. So I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to show me when to give this teaching, and it's in our retreat. In the next three reflections of this retreat, I'm going to be constantly focusing on the prodigal son, the return of the prodigal son. And this topic of resentment and anger is very important in order for us to enter into the arms of the Father. So I'm going to be constantly referring to a book that's part of the reading of Love Crucified, The Return of the Prodigal Son by Father Henry Nowen. To me, this book has been very, very Significant in my life. And I'll, I'll speak to you more about this. But I'm going to begin by reading to you something from this book on page 71. Father Nowen writes The lostness of the older son was much harder to identify. After all, he did all the right things, he was obedient dutiful, law-abiding, and hard-working. People respected him, admired him, praised him, and likely considered him a model son, a model man. Outwardly, the elder son was faultless, but when confronted by his father's joy at the return of his younger brother, a dark power erupts in him and boils to the surface. Suddenly, there becomes glaringly visible a resentful, proud, unkind. Selfish person, one that had remained deeply hidden. In our path, on number 38, it says The soul which receives the gift of self knowledge and sees the hardness of its own heart arrives at a moment of decision. It either accepts the gift or it remains in darkness. There has been, I find, a very key phrase, sentence that the Holy Spirit gave us at the beginning of this retreat. And that to me has been abandonment is purity of heart. Abandonment is purity of heart. I found myself last night reflecting that one sentence a lot. That means... That in order to grow in abandonment to the Holy Spirit, we need to grow in greater purity of heart. To the extent that our hearts are purified is the extent that we can actually live abandonment in the Holy Spirit. And all of us, all of us have hardness of heart. And there is a key to me that really in all of us makes our hearts quite hardened and that to me I have found to be resentment and anger. So if we are serious in this community really serious about abandoning ourselves to the Holy Spirit and becoming pure of heart we must be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to enter and bring to the light our hidden resentment and anger. That's what my focus of this talk is. I'm sorry. That, what I just read was page 41. This is number 38. Our Lord says, A hardened heart is not able to receive the grace of God. And here you see it in the beautiful painting of Rembrandt of the return of the prodigal son. The older brother, the hardness of heart, keeps him separated from the love of the father, from his embrace. As long as our hearts have resentment and anger, we remain at a distance. We still cannot enter the embrace of the Father. The Lord goes on to tell us, it is not able to see the glory of God revealed before him. And this is what Kathy was sharing with us yesterday. The glory of God is before us all the time. God is truly with us. And so many times we do not see the glory of God all around us. Because our hearts are hardened. At the beginning of our path, the Lord begins to tell us that our hearts are like veiled. Many veils that don't allow it to see. And the work of the Holy Spirit, if we allow him, is to remove. Sometimes it's like we can think of it, veils, layers, you know, of an onion, you know. God goes on to say, I, God incarnate, was in their midst, yet they were blind. The older brother lived with the father all his life and didn't see God. Sometimes we live with people all our lives, we can be married and live as spouses all our lives and we do not see god in our spouses because our expectations are not what they they are because we've been wounded and we have lots of resentment And all of that, especially resentment, keeps us from seeing the glory of God, even and most especially in our most broken people in our midst. And many times those broken people, el Cristo roto, the broken Christ, is in our spouse, in our children, in our mothers and fathers in our grandparents, in our bishops, in our priests. My heart was grieved to see the condition of their hearts. The act of Mary Magdalene and Peter in which they came to me with tears of sorrow is necessary necessary tears of sorrow to pierce the hardness of the human heart seeped in sin. The answer is what Father Ron told us at the beginning of the retreat. Repentance. A true repentant heart that can come with tears of sorrow. That is what pierces the hardness of our heart. Nothing else. Therefore, if we do not come in contact and receive the knowledge of our anger and resentment, we remain separated from entering union with God. The Lord tells us, eyes have not seen nor ears heard what your God has prepared for you. Jesus tells us personally, I invite you to come and see. I will, the Lord is saying, I will remove the veil that covers the eyes of your soul so that you can see what few are able to see. You will. The Lord is making us a promise. All we have to do is be faithful. Do we ever ponder this and believe it? The Lord is saying, you will see the new Jerusalem. This is he telling us this. In all her glory, she, more precious than gold and diamonds, will be yours. Jackie, yours. Daniel, yours to possess. Look at what the Lord is promising, this little mustard seed of the Anuim. This is amazing to me. Do we ever ponder what the Lord is telling us? Enter like, wow. And then he goes on. We can read it on your own. I don't have time to read everything, but he goes on to talk about he again, he brings us to his feet. We can never stop kissing the feet of Jesus. Why? Because the Lord also told us something important. We must live wrapped in the gift of self-knowledge and the knowledge of how much God loves us. So today we invite you, Holy Spirit, to enter and start to remove the veils that keeps my resentment and anger so well hidden. Henry Nowen continues to, to write. He says, There is so much resentment among the just and the righteous. That's us. The Pharisee. The older brother looks like a Pharisee. To me. You know he's like—he's dressed so well. You know he looks so good. But look at his face. We have to find him. He's in us. He's in all of us. We must allow the older brother in us to be found behind the masks, behind the fake saint, behind the goody goodies. We must allow the Holy Spirit to find the older son. Because I think most of us, the younger son is easier to find. But I really want to focus on the older son. The younger son is those that rebelled and went off on the, you know, took the money, to, you know, went off, had a good time, partied, you know, did all that stuff, you know. I see it in my own family. I, growing up, I was the goody-goody. I never rebelled. I did everything I was told. Okay. And I'm full of the older son. But I thank God that he has given me the openness of heart to really, truly find him. I see it with among my own family, and Father Ron and I speak about it. I have a son who was the younger son. We had to take, We had to ask him to leave our house at the age of 18. What a pain that was. And he left. At the age of 18, my Michael. And boy, he was just like the older son. He went all over. You should have seen where he was living, the pit that he was living in. Somebody's like back garage. He lived there. Okay? And he went through this little escapade, just like the younger son, for a few years. I prayed and prayed and prayed and cried and cried and cried. Thank God. His older brother was the key of the Lord that saved him. The Lord saved him. But through the hidden force of his parents' tears. But I'll tell you something. My Michael's married now. He just had a little girl, Camila, him and Melissa. He's an amazing father. There is something in my Michael. He came to his knees, you see. There's a compassion in the heart of Michael. That's very beautiful. Now I have other sons, especially one. I see him as, and Father Ron and I speak, he's the really, really good child. <clears throat> Never done anything wrong. The easy one. Live by the rules, you know. And you know what I see? He's really good and I love him deeply. But every once in a while, I'm always seeing in him a certain self-righteousness. You see? So it's in all of us. There is so much judgment, condemnation, and prejudice among the saints, so-called saints. There is so much frozen anger among the people who are so concerned about avoiding sin. This morning I woke up, through the whole night, I was just contemplating so much of our retreat, but I woke up and I wrote this down, resentment is a rotten fruit from disordered anger. And I woke up this morning and I looked up a Catholic definition of resentment. And it really confirmed what I was feeling in my heart. It said, ressentide is an old French word literally meaning intense feeling. But it went on to say, Resentment is the cheapest and least legitimate form of anger. Resentment and anger are united. Resentment is a form of anger. And then it says, Resentment is a passive, weak emotion. What happens is many of us do not come into contact or with our anger. And that's why I spoke to you. What did the Lord have me find not too long ago? It was my talk at be- the beginning of Lent that I shared with you. Mm-hmm. The Lord revealed to me my passive aggressiveness. And this is going to come developed in this talk. When we do not deal with our anger in a healthy way, it becomes resentment. Yes. Okay? So I'm going to move into anger now. This word of Henry Nouwen, frozen anger, except I don't see it so much as frozen. I see it more like lava of a volcano, and that's how I'm always moved to describe it. I have dealt with this hidden anger, this silent anger in my own life. I have seen it in many souls I have walked intimately within the path of the cross. This anger has been hidden deeply within us, buried deep in our hearts. Why? An important question. Remember, we always ask why. Why have we buried our anger, kept it so hidden within ourselves? One thing everybody tells me, an accompaniment and that I believed for so long a lie. we were taught that anger is bad. A sinful emotion. to get angry is bad. If I get angry, I committed a sin. That's a lie. And I'm going to move into this about when it is and when it is not. As children, we were not allowed. To show or express our anger. Especially. If one or both of our parents were authoritarian. And extremely strict. Therefore. Fear. Kept our anger buried. If we especially had the relationship. Because one of our parents was. Or both or very authoritarian, we had a relationship of slave to master, we were kept silent. We could not defend ourselves, and nobody else defended us. So that anger that you, we felt as children was not expressed because if we dared, like Father said in his homily, approach the lion... Who knows, you know? So those were the children that became what? Internalized all that. And what do you, you don't think as children, when we were being treated with an anger that was sinful, we're going to go into the qualities of sinful anger, but when we were being treated as children unjustly with a sinful anger, you don't think as children we felt hurt? hurt. We felt alone. We felt at times angry. What did we do with that anger? You think it just vanished? No. It's inside of us. And it's oppressing us. We have to come in contact with it. If either one of our parents, grandparents, mother-in-law, father-in-law, bishop, friend, wounded us deeply and we kept silent, chances are that we have frozen anger. If we lost our voice, I lost my voice. I did, and I've shared that many times with you. But in accompaniment, I meet many, many souls who lost their voice. Unable to defend ourselves, and nobody else defended us. If we lost our voice and could not defend ourselves, that, I say, we have inside of us a silent anger a silent anger and that anger must have a voice to come out in a healthy way this anger is like a boiling lava in a volcano this silent anger keeps our hearts very very hardened it makes our hearts a resentful heart Unable to experience true joy. This is where the passive-aggressive comes in. This is what the Lord showed me. As a little girl, I lost my voice. I could not defend myself. Nobody defended me against an unjust treatment. So, what did I do? I became passive. I... Retrieve, I slept a lot. That's my way of retrieving. Where's the aggressive? That anger turned into resentment. Deep, deep resentment. And so I lived my life passive-aggressive. That's how I learned to deal with it. As an adult, the first thing, thank God the Lord, takes me to counseling. The first thing that starts to come out is the anger towards my mother. And it was like the volcano. That that lava was in there. But what I found in myself when I started to homeschool was really awesome for me. And I love homeschooling because it really did the most for me. I always say it. Homeschooling was amazing for me. (laughs) Because one of the things that I was confronted with when I began homeschooling was this that he says, the dark power erupts in her and boils to the surface. I was confronted with myself, with my children. I was like, why did I get so angry? It was in my face. And I had to say, where's this anger coming from? So what happens is, when we have bottled up anger that hasn't been dealt with from its original source, it's in us. It either will be extremely passive and come out in a very passive, aggressive way. Or it will erupt. You know like a volcano? It doesn't fully, but it has like sparks that go off because it can't contain itself. So, poof! So, you know, that's what happens. Every once in a while, the poof will be towards your wife or your husband. A poof! Another one towards the children around you. And so, the people you live with are getting those sparks that are going off all around you. And that is, there's something going on inside. Okay, so we're going to go into the how. and This buried hidden anger must come out. It must be given to Jesus. This is also necessary for the purification of our hearts. This is also the work of the path. I have had people tell me that they never get angry nor feel anger. Right there (coughs) is a red light. Whoa. Very bright. Okay. Or on the other hand, people that find themselves constantly in bursts of anger. You see, you have your both, like Father was saying yesterday, the narrow path, and then you have things on each side. (laughs) We find ourselves not just, you know, an anger too. Either totally buried or, you know, bursting out of the seams, you know. (laughs) Okay? This type of anger is associated with our wounds, it is the pus of the wound. An infection we have allowed to grow and spread because of fear of touching the deep pain of our wound. Fear of the hidden anger we have towards a certain person. Living in the lie. I cannot allow myself to get angry because that is a sin. And so I keep this resentment and anger I have because I can't allow it. Because it's bad. So it just remains inside of me. And it keeps my heart hardened and away from that embrace of the Father. If you think of anger, and you think of a volcano, the anger is the top layer of the volcano. That anger has to come out so that you can get to the core of the volcano. Underneath all anger is pain. Underneath the anger I had originally towards my mom was the pain, the wound. There was so many years that that anger accumulated. The, the anger is a very strong emotion. It's a very important emotion. But I had to thank God the Lord brought me to a wonderful counselor and through her one day, in her office, I let that anger come out. And I'll never forget. I like exploded in a safe place. And all that I had towards the injustice that was done to me came out. Then began my healing. Then I began And underneath all that anger and resentment was the pain. The pain of not having been loved. The pain of not having had that tenderness I so much needed from my mom. And then came the healing, the dealing with the pain, the pure pain. The pure pain I could suffer with the Lord. In order to become a victim of love, of love, we must discover this anger within us and release it to Jesus. It is our Lord who waits with his arms wide open to receive it. This silent, frozen anger, many times even unknown to us, serves as a very thick barrier. That keeps us separated from the love of God and prevents us from loving unconditionally. My beautiful family, resentment and love cannot coexist. And everyone here knows it. Everyone here that's in relationships, whenever I enter resentment with my husband because he did something that hurt me, immediately, you see, and this is where attentiveness, and that's what the Lord just showed me in my passive-aggressive, is I don't deal with it properly. And then immediately the leaven of resentment enters my heart. And it becomes a barrier. Immediately, I feel it. Each of you feel it, especially with the people you live with. It's an immediate barrier where I truly cannot love him because what's there, that resentment, is a barrier. And we all live our lives like that. And so we remain separated from the embrace of the Father. And the Lord loves us so much that he's saying, I invite you, you, who have said yes, that are in the narrow path, what I want for you, for each of us, is the glory of, of, the, of the what did he say? The, the glory of this new life. Here, on earth, I want you to live this. But if, We don't look at those barriers and we continue to allow those barriers, we're separated. Understanding anger. The Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches us as a passion, anger itself is neither good nor evil, anger is an emotion. And I'll tell you something that I've been learning these past few months. A very, very important emotion. So if we have lost it, we have lost something we need to reclaim. Because we need it. We need healthy anger. And we see it in scripture. Because yesterday we had this Bible verse from Matthew 5.22. And it says... Jesus, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. That's one anger. That's a sinful anger. But now look at this passage. From Matthew twenty-three, fifteen. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, You hypocrites. You traverse sea and land to make one convert. And when that happens, you make him a child of Gehenna. Twice as much as yourselves. There's other passages of scripture that show when Jesus was angry and specifically say it. So what is it? Is all anger a sin then? Of course not. Jesus showed the emotion of anger. And he in his healthy anger, just anger, is telling men face to face that they are devils. That's what he's telling them. You are Satan. He said it to Peter too. That's anger in our Lord. So let's see what makes anger sinful. According to St. Thomas Aquinas, anger is sinful in three ways. This is very important in our examination of conscience with anger. First, we are angry over the wrong things. That's when sinful, uh, anger is sinful. Over things that are not unjust. When we find ourselves getting angry over something so insignificant, and you go, why did I lose it over something so unimportant? Okay? The floor was a little dirty, and I lost it. It was like, what? what's wrong with you? <laughs> we see it. You see, you're all laughing because we, we live this. What? what is wrong with me? What did that, you know, what? why am I, why would something like that upset me so much? Number two, anger is sinful in our motives. When someone hurts or upsets us, we might be driven by a vindictive attitude, which wants to see the person suffer. We might hope their wrongdoing will be exposed, and of course we don't say it, but there's, we think it and it's really hidden inside of us, okay? But it's there, not for their own good, but merely because we want to see their demise. We do not care so much about the soul of the person who hurt us. Number three, it is sinful if it is too fierce. But this is interesting. We can be too severe internally. In our thoughts, for example. When we hold a grudge, have too great a displeasure toward someone, or secretly wish that person harm. Anger also can manifest itself externally, as we well know, in the way we act toward a person who upset us. If, for example... We respond in a fury over a small matter if we punish a child too severely or if we purposely, pers- purposefully neglect basic courtesy toward the person who hurt us. This is sinful anger. Now here's what I want to say. This sinful anger that we all know very well can help us find the resentful son in us. To me, when the Lord teaches us to be attentive, I have found a great help. When I am attentive to my own anger, I can't tell you What a what a gift it is. So anger can be such a help to us because since it is such a strong emotion, it's one that we really can't hide when we feel it. It's in our face, you know. It it boils up, but when we learn, it's like the minute we feel anger, it's like that red flashing light in your face is going off, and it's like it's like an alarm. And when I can stop and look at that anger and say, what's going on here? And dissect that anger. I'm, I'm going to tell you that when I was angry, my accompaniment said something so beautiful to me. She said, Lourdes, you have to dissect your anger. And that was the most helpful thing I have heard. And so I get that anger, and I see the situation. And in that anger, I take out the resentment, the frustration, and then I look at the core, under the volcano, the core of what was really the pain. What, what else? Is there a just reason for that anger? We're going to move into that now. And that is the questions now. Where did this anger come from? Why am I so angry? What just happened to me? Now we move into the last part virtuous anger, just anger. My family, anger can be really, 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 really good. And that's why we've got to be so careful because if we're still living in the lie of Satan that it's a sin to get angry, Satan is going to use that lie to oppress us horribly and to bring about great resentment, resentment, barriers, thick wall of resentment in our hearts that keep us from love. Anger can be noble if it is directed toward maintaining justice and correcting vice from the catechism of the Catholic Church. Anger can be noble. That's what our church teaches. Jesus had just anger. And it was important. The Holy Spirit moved the anger of Jesus to act. To bring about justice to a great injustice. If we remain in the lie that all anger is bad, we cannot abandon ourselves to the Holy Spirit when He wants to move us in that anger to bring justice to injustice. That is when the Spirit many times wants to move us like lightning, and that anger is important. The Holy Spirit sometimes acts like a subtle breeze. And we move in that subtle breeze. But sometimes the Spirit wants to move like lightning.
1: Can he use
0: us? Not if we're in the lie. Oh no, I can't get angry. I'm going to give you an example. It goes on to say, One can think of anger as a passionate desire to set things right. In the face of a perceived evil. If Jesus did not truly love the Pharisees. He would not warn them. Of the eternal punishment. Toward which they were heading. Jesus' anger is thus rooted in love. In desiring what is best For them, as he intends this clear warning to lead them to repentance. Being angry about the right things and in the right way is virtuous. Please highlight that sentence. Don't forget it. Being angry about the right things. And in the right way is virtuous. And if we are going to be warriors of love, warriors of God, victim souls, we better get this. Or else, what kind of warriors are we going to be? If we do not have holy anger, we can't fight for the Lord. And we can't fight with Holy Anger until we get all that past anger out. As long as the old anger of our parents, of our Bishop, of whoever is still inside of us, we can't get to Holy Anger. We need to let this explode, deal with the pain, and now learn virtuous anger. Listen to what St. Thomas Aquinas teaches. To me, this blew me away. But avoiding anger at all times may be a sign of weakness. Okay, Avoiding anger at all times is a sign of weakness. St. Thomas Aquinas notes how it is a vice not to get angry. Over things one should. He calls it unreasonable patience. And we can be thinking, I'm so patient. I don't get angry over anything. I am such a saint. I'm so holy. You're here. I'm here. Okay? It's a lie. And that is called, what Daniel was saying, part of duplicity. We are living as hypocrites. You see? All of this came to me in an experience I had a few months ago. Something happened. A very unjust situation. To a person I love deeply. And there was a certain reaction to this situation. And I went furious. I can't even explain to you. Only father knows. Because he saw me in my anger. The, The level of anger. I was so angry, I couldn't, it it was tears of of anger, of fury, of such an injustice that happened. And I kept thinking, but I ran to the Lord, I knelt before the blessed sacrament and I said, My Lord, if I'm in sin, if this anger that's inside of me is wrong, if this is a sin, help me, because I can't contain the anger. But I feel, my Lord, I kept praying that this is just anger. Because there's something really, really, really wrong that just happened. And there was a reaction to this situation that I found alarming. And I was furious. And I cried, my Lord, what do I do with this anger? Is this wrong? Am I in sin? Because I'm so angry. But I feel it's just that I have a right. This is, I need to be angry. What do I do? I don't know what to do with this anger. It's, but I feel it's right, but maybe it's not. I was like crying and crying before the Lord. I must be driving Maria crazy. <laughs> and all of a sudden I feel, do a search. I was in my office praying. I go to my computer and I do a search, just anger. And what I just read to you comes up. Boom. St. Thomas Aquinas' words. And the Lord begins to teach me. The Holy Spirit begins to move me to understand this anger. So I had to dissect it. The frustration. Out. Let me deal with that. The resentment toward different souls. Out. Okay, my Lord. I'm left With the holy anger of this situation. I don't react in the flesh. That brings me to sinful anger. If I would have gone to these people and told them off. Sinful anger. How do I live this anger in the spirit. To bring justice. And the Lord begins to tell me. Confront in love but in the intensity of the holy anger. And I confronted in love, in the intensity, because I couldn't contain it, of the tears of the injustice of this situation. And fruit came from this situation. And for the first time, the Holy Spirit allowed a situation in my life because he wanted to teach me so that I could teach you about anger. Holy anger. And that when we feel angry because there is something that's off, and we see it all the time, there's injustices all over the place. And we can even have it in our families. Because let's be real here. Sometimes our spouses can treat us with disrespect. Sometimes our spouses can dishonor us. Sometimes our children can treat us with disrespect. And our own children can dishonor us. And do I have a reason for an emotion of anger when I am being treated with dishonor and disrespect, is that anger okay for, to be in my heart? <coughs> Absolutely. It's an injustice. Because we were all created in the dignity to be treated and in, treat, I have to treat you with dignity and sometimes I fail. And how good if you can come to me and tell me, Lordis, you know, you hurt me. Because none of us are perfect. But how good when I can approach, and you see, the Lord showed me. And you know what? I went to my husband because I love him dearly and he loves me, but we're broken people. And I was able to say, I need to share my heart with you because the way you just treated me, you didn't treat me like a spouse, you treated me like a child. And that really disrespected me. I'm not your child. I'm your wife. And I am sharing this with you because you know what? My husband that I love so much, I have learned that I hold resentment. I live passive aggressiveness. And I said to Peter, I love you so much that I don't want those walls anymore of resentment where I can't love you in Christ the way he wants me to so every time you treat me or I treat you with disrespect please tell me and I'm gonna tell you now can my husband not respond as how I would hope he would respond absolutely can my boss can my bishop can Anybody else respond and say, get out of here. I didn't do that and turn the table on me. Absolutely. I can't control how, what my husband does. I can't control what my children do. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> you can't control your bishop. But I can. I have a will for myself. And what the Lord taught us in the gospel is, he said to His disciples, protect yourselves, protect your hearts from the leaven of the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. I have a responsibility before God to protect my heart from the leaven of resentment. And how do I protect my heart from that leaven entering? By having a voice again. By speaking to the people I love and saying, This was unjust. I love you dearly, but this was unjust and it hurt me. And I hope, but just by speaking it, I don't allow the leaven of resentment to grow in my heart. And I cannot permit you to treat me unjustly because God doesn't want it. I am not a victim doormat. I am a daughter of God, and you are sons and daughters of the Most High. And the Lord wants us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And if I don't love myself and treat myself with the dignity of that God loves me, how can I love you? How can I love my husband? I have no idea where I'm at. (laughs) Okay. You're an actor. All right. Can I continue? Because I think this is a really important... I know it's long, but this is to me a very important teaching. Okay. That week, when the Lord really wants me to learn something, not just for me, but for all of us, he really brings home the point. Everyone I went to that week and had accompaniment with was amazing. I heard holy, just anger. And I'll give you an example of our beautiful brother, Ector. And he gave me permission to give you this example. I go to him the day after all this happened for a com- uh, to give him accompaniment. And he starts to share with me an, an experience he had. In his family, a friend of the family came who left the Catholic Church and become something else. I don't know. And this friend of the family begins to trash our Blessed Mother. And Ector was getting furious. And the first thing he tells me is, Lordis, I fell into sin. I go, why? What did you do? He goes, because I felt so angry. You see the lie. You can't get angry. That's a sin. I said, well, let me ask you, Ektod. Did you tell him off? Did you curse him out? He goes, no, I didn't do that. I go, well, what did you do? He goes, really strong. I, I, I defended Our Lady. I go, that's not a sin. He goes, really? And I go, yeah, that's a lie. You see this? (laughs) It was in my face. I go, we all think this way. And he smiled at me and I said, that was just anger. Hector is a man, our blessed mother is the woman, the the, the love of his life next to Yvette. (laughs) And... The woman of his life was being trashed. You tell me what man, if you're a real man, defend your woman. (laughs) He had this holy anger because as a man, he was called to defend her. Do you think our blessed mother hearing the son of her defend her was happy? She was thrilled. What woman is not happy when the men of our life defend us? I said, Ector, our mother is so pleased. I wish all men could defend her and and the women of their lives. He said, that was holy anger. And that anger was moved by the spirit in Ector to defend our blessed mother with strength, with authority, with a strong voice. Yes, because it was, it, it was important. Do you, do you hear someone defending like this? This is what he says. Unreasonable patience. But let me tell you. It's not okay to talk to about our Blessed Mother like that. That is just... Does that cut it? Not in that situation. You see... The spirit needed that anger to be channeled for a good. There was an injustice being done toward our Blessed Mother. And that anger had to move Hector in that lightning, in that passion to defend her. So these are three steps here that I want you all to study. Three things I learned. I had to submit my anger to Christ asking, Is this anger just my Lord? If so, what is your will? What do you want me to do with the anger? Sometimes you might not, it's not, I went to another accompaniment and she speaks to me. I hear the same thing, just anger. But in her situation, she can't confront the person. I said, so what does the Lord want you to do with that anger? And there was different things because her anger was in a way, had to do with our community. And her anger needed to be spoken about with me, with Father and the council of our community. So that we learn as a community how to protect our family. Because Satan will do all kinds of things to hurt this community. And even bring in people in this community to hurt this community and to bring a darkness into this community. And the council has a responsibility. Father Jordy, as spiritual father, I as spiritual mother, Father Ron, Maria, to defend. And if we don't have holy anger, sometimes we won't defend this family. And that accompaniment was to reveal that. Second thing I learned, dissect my anger. I had to separate any resentment and frustration And remain only with the pain of the injustice, the pain of the darkness in others, and suffer that with the Lord. Then I could confront the situation in the spirit by bringing it to the light with love, desiring only the good of all those involved. That is the process for holy anger. Padre Pio is a beautiful example, I think, of holy anger. And I give you two examples. I'm not going to read it because I'm so up, but you have it in your notes. I gave you two examples of Padre Pio. I used, I used to always think I'd be, be, I'd be scared to death to walk into his confessional <laughs> 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 with my wounds. That's <laughs> one. Get out!
1: (laughs) You know. (laughs)
0: Exactly. (laughs) You know. Absolutely. And why can you be scared sometimes, Father Ron? Because he's going to tell you in your face. (laughs) You know. But Padre Pio would do that. But it was really beautiful as the more I, I, did, I, I went deeper into this teaching and I read about Padre Pio, I saw that intensity of anger. It was so moved by the Spirit, but his whole, it was so united to the Lord that it was to bring his souls to repentance, to really see the seriousness of what they could not see, what they were hiding. So maybe that's what moved also St. John of Arc. friends Uh, absolutely Mm -hmm. if if you if St. Joan of Arc didn't have a just holy anger how could you fight like that no if no warrior no soldier can fight without feeling that just anger to bring an injustice to justice exactly So the next part goes into the purification of our resentful hearts. And Father Henry Nowen says, The lostness of the resentful so-called saint is so hard to reach. Precisely because it is so closely wedded to the desire to be good and virtuous. My resentment is not something that can be easily distinguished and dealt with rationally. It is far more pernicious, something that has attached itself to the underside of my virtue. I keep saying separating the bone from the marrow. And do you think exactly when you separate the bone from the marrow and you take that resentment off, it's not painful? Of course. And that's why many times it's so hard. We don't want the resentful son, daughter in us to be found. We don't want them to be found. We say we might want them to be found, but we really don't. But when we really do we will find them. And we will heal that son inside each of us with our love and our tenderness. And we will bring him and her to Jesus. And that is when we begin to become whole. That's the the next talk today. So I'm going to end with this, what I wrote Once the self-rejecting complaint, this is, again, Father Nowen. And this is very much part of our simple path in sections 4A and 4B. When we talk about the lies in our path that have been interwoven into our personalities, it's so hard because to die to the lies... Is so much who we became, that's the old man and woman, that it's really dying to self. And that's why that process of dying to those lies is so hard. But it's a work that only the Spirit can do. But when we open, He does it. He does it. He does it. Sometimes really fast. Sometimes a little slow. Once the self-rejecting complaint has formed in us, we lose our spontaneity, playfulness, to the extent that even joy can no longer invoke joy in us. To me, this is very key. If... Many times, a a, a a key that we really lost something very important in our youth is when we see that we lack spontaneity. One of the things I had to learn when I first started counseling to deal with this is I lost my spontaneity and I lost my playfulness. I was such a serious person. I've had to learn, and I still, it's hard for me. I had to learn to play. Mm -hmm. And I had to force one time just to to heal this. I was with one of my babies, (laughs) I remember this, in the Publix cart of the grocery store. And all of a sudden, I remember, I have to learn to play. (laughs) And I started zigzagging and running through the aisle. (laughs) like this. I don't remember which baby was in front of me. The baby was cracking up and people were looking at me. But I, it was things I would do out of nowhere like this to learn. That was how I began to heal the child in me that, that was lost, that was hidden inside of me. I had to find her. And I became in my family Mama Lou. I became a mother before, and I didn't, and I, it's like I skipped childhood and went into my into taking care of my sisters. And so I lost that time of my life to play, and I had to go back and find her. And I had to play with her. And it was years of, you know, but I still, and now it's like I love playing, you know, like this time Father Jordy came to, to Miami, Father, you're working all the time. <laughs> Come on, we're always working. Let's have some fun. We got on bikes, and we went on bikes all the way, if you live in Miami, to Matheson and Hammock. And it was like both of us were laughing, and it, that was so healing. You know, he was remembering his childhood. You know, that's how we find that son, and we have to see where they're wounded, where they got stuck in us. The story says, calling one of the servants, he asked, what is, what was this all about? There is the fear that I am excluded again. That someone didn't tell me what was going on. That I was kept out of things. How all of us feel that at times. Oh, They're in that little group and they didn't invite me. This is so much part of community. Oh, they're over there and they didn't invite me. And if we're not attentive to this voice, Satan will come and create all kinds of problems. The complaint resurges immediately in the older brother. Why was I not informed? What is this all about? Doesn't that sound like us? The unsuspecting servant, full of excitement and eager to share the good news, explains your brother has come and your father has killed the calf. We had been fattening because he has, because he got him back safe and sound. But this shout of joy cannot be received. Instead of relief and gratitude, the ser- instead of relief and gratitude, the servant's joy summons up the opposite. What does the scriptures tell us? He was angry and refused to go in. Joy and resentment cannot coexist. The music and dancing instead of inviting to joy became a cause for even greater withdrawal. The banquet of God was in his house right next to him and he couldn't enter because resentment kept him away. The Lord is telling us, I want to bring you into the new Jerusalem. The banquet is right in our home. The joy. And we don't enter. So I'm going to allow you to ask you to please read the rest of the reflection. It's from my heart. And there's very important questions at the end. Really important. Please, my family, as a spiritual mother, I really beg you to go deep in these questions. This is a preparation for the baptism in the Spirit tonight. Thank you.